This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers better help and the biggest loser had a baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Today on episode number 374 of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, we're going to be talking about the psychology of lasting weight loss with Karina Melvin. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to weight loss. We left our excuses in the past and we've forgiven ourselves for abusing the gift that is our bodies. From this point forward, our health is more important. We will stay focused. We will stay determined. We will sacrifice now knowing that it's not going to be easy so that we can live a better tomorrow. We understand that weight loss is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about making lifestyle changes and that the only person who can stop you is you. You know where you are now, and you know where you want to be. The new you begins today. Let's go. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it thin. I want to try it thin, but I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to dip to die it thin. Won't tell you lies thin. I want smaller thighs thin, but I realize I guess I'll have to exercise. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the theschoolofpodcasting.com. If you're new to the show, I am not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I'm just a person like you trying to lose weight, and I am sad to report that as I uh, hit record on this, I pulled up my phone. I'm actually up about a half a pound since the last time we spoke, and if somebody said, what was the reason for that? It's simple. It's Ohio it is getting crappy outside, and the other night, instead of going out to the grocery store and buying healthy food, I had a pizza delivered, and over the last two days, I have eaten that whole pizza. And uh, the good news is, that's the bad news, the good news is, it's a new day, and uh, today, I went out, went to church, and on the way home, bought a boatload of groceries, so I am stocked full of stuff, cooked a bunch of things today, so I will have healthy things for the rest of the week, and I'm pretty sure by probably Tuesday, that half a pound will be gone. So today, I don't normally have guests on this show, it's usually just me and you kind of talking about our weight loss struggles, but I found uh, Karina, and she's been in magazines like Cosmopolitan, Red, uh, you magazine. Uh, she's actually, um, she's from Ireland. She has been in the Irish independent, the Irish examiner, uh, BBC radio. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And then check out her credentials. Holy cow. She's got a BSc in psychology an MA in addiction studies and MSc in, Ooh, fun things that I can't even pronounce. Psycho, psychoanalytic, psychotherapy, and all other things that begin with psych, basically. She has a book called Artful Eating, and if you go out to KarinaMelvin.com, she's also got a class in it, and you'll hear in this interview that there are some things that she says, you're like, oh, that can't be true, and they're so different from everything we talked about that I want to take this class just because I'm like, again, to me, I think half of my problem is the psychology involved with this. Actually, uh, one of the things, because I did stay home, I took down the Christmas tree and really cleaned up the apartment. And I swear, having a clean environment really, for me, 
just makes me feel more confident about myself that I'm not living. Uh, uh, when I don't walk in the door, I don't go, ugh. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Karina. Karina Melvin, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy. Oh, sorry, I was about to say Happy New Year, and then I realized I don't know when this is going to come out. <laughs> Actually, it's coming out Monday. That's why I said this is beautiful. So um, perfect. Well yeah. then, Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah. The um, because it's the new year, everybody and their brother has decided that hey, you know, I'm uh, right now. I'm about thirty pounds over where I want to be, and mm-hmm. for many of us who have been here on the planet a little while. We kind of know that, you know, good food doesn't come through the drive through window and, and we need mm-hmm. to exercise more and eat a little less. And we've been there, done that. And we've tried the cabbage diet. And we've tried the popcorn diet and the don't. Oh, eat- I haven't heard of the popcorn. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's uh, just making. <laughs> and, I like the sound of that. I love popcorn. Yeah, oh, you and me both. That's one of my Achilles heels. So okay. what what is it sometimes you think that. We, I guess, is one of the keys we have to figure out why we're eating. Is that because one of one of your specialties is, and this is why we're so happy to have you come on, is you have so many degrees in psychology. And to me, I think eighty percent of weight loss is we got to get our head in check first. So, is that probably one of the biggest? Is that kind of step one? Figure out why? Why am I putting food in my mouth? That is absolutely it. In fact, I wouldn't say it's eighty percent. I'd say it's a hundred percent. But I would say that. Um, because I guess maybe the best, the best way into what we're talking about here and to help your listeners kind of get some context as to why a psychologist is talking about weight loss as opposed to a nutritionist or a fitness expert, um, is something that happened very organically in my clinic. So I practice as a psychologist and a psychoanalyst, and I found that over the years, Pretty much every single person who came to see me, regardless of what their complaint was, would end up in some way complaining about their body image, their relationship to food, or complaining about some diet that they're on that hasn't worked. So the food is such an intimate thing for us. But also, it seems that uh, I know the statistics are constantly changing, but something like 80% of people are on a diet or think that they should be in the Western world. Obviously, we're not talking about areas where there's great deprivation. And so I was sitting there day in, day out listening, going, why is everybody so dissatisfied with their body? And why are they, why is it occupying them to such a great extent? Like there's a lot bigger issues in the world. There's so much more fun things we could be doing with our time and our energy. And yet so much of it is caught up with food. Food can and must be this pleasurable resource that we enjoy. And a big part of the problem is that people have lost that disconnect between food being a pleasurable thing and a nourishing thing. Um, and they now see it as a problematic thing. And it's not the food that's the problem. You're right. We shouldn't be going to through drive throughs all the time. But the problem is our relationship with ourselves, how we view ourselves and our relationship to enjoyment. And when we start to address that, really magical things start to happen around weight loss. And so I developed a program to help my clients and that turned into an online program and then it turned into a book and then the podcast. So it's kind of a mission I'm on to emancipate people from dieting uh, and to really hold on to that sentiment. It's not what we eat, it's why we eat and how we eat. They're, they're the keys. 
Yeah, because I was just reading a study. I was trying to, because I don't know about you, but boy, this study was, it was just bare bones dry. And I'm trying to, I'd read a paragraph and I'm like, wait, is, what is that in English? But it's, yeah. it sounded like what happens is like we wake up and we go, ugh, I'm overweight. And so that leads to stress in some cases, the fact that we're not happy with the way we look. And then that leads to negative self-talk and negative self-talk makes us feel bad. And then, and then, yeah. And then, so, and eventually we end up self-medicating with food and then we like, Hey, look, it's sugar, fat, and, uh, salt, the ultimate ingredients to make us, my brain go zing. So how do we get on, how do we get out of that spiral? That's a great question. It's not how we think, right? So uh, what most people think is I need to clear out my cupboards. I need to get loads of really healthy food in. I need to stop eating the sugar, fat and salt. I need to get to the gym. And they create a very unsustainable and very controlled approach to weight loss and to food. And what happens is that when you go on a, on a, on a, on a weight loss diet, um, the most likely outcome is that you're going to put on weight. So this traditional approach of the statistically what was shown is that if you lose weight, if you lose weight, which you may or may not lose weight on a diet, that what's going to happen is that you're going to put on weight. And not only that, you'll actually put on more weight. So the worst thing you can do this, if you take anything from today's podcast, don't diet this January. And I guarantee you, if you don't diet this January, you will weigh less than if you did diet. And that's what the statistics show, right? So first of all, don't diet because if you go on a diet, you will end up putting on more weight because whatever you do to lose the weight is in a controlled manner. It's not dealing with the cause. It's only focusing on the symptom. So the excess weight, um, it's not addressing the underlying cause of your specific reason why you are overweight. And that's different for everybody. Okay. We all have our own unique relationship to food, our own story around food in our body. Um, and so instead what you need to do is look at, and this is a beautiful thing to do at this time of year, actually, is to look at your quality of life, the life you're living, you know, your relationships, your environment? Is your kitchen a place you like to be? Is your home a place you like to be? Is your wardrobe full of clothes, regardless of your size, that you like to wear? You know, how are you taking care of yourself? What's the context of your uh, position in, in your life? And it's about really overhauling your lifestyle. And that is as dramatic as going on some very strict diet, like deciding to be vegan for January. Isn't there a thing now where people go vegan for January? Um, it's as dramatic as that. And it needs to be because what we need to do is uh, not only address why we're eating. So that point of your study to get feeling better in our environment. And it's different, again, for everyone, what we need to do. Some people need to join a sport that they do with other people, or some people need to invest more time and energy in themselves as opposed to their family or their job. You need to explore what it is for you that's going to make you enjoy your life more, that's going to make you feel good about yourself. When you're enjoying your life more and feeling good about yourself, you're not self-medicating with food, right? So that's one big piece of my approach. Nice. And what if you have, because I always say one of the things you need is, and you just mentioned playing a, a sport with other people, it's great to have that support group. What if it turns out your your family, let's say, isn't that supportive? Do you have any tips on how do you 
because that's such a that's almost like an impossible situation because I can't get away from these people. They're my family. Um, how no, would you- it, it's it's a, it's quite a magical thing actually. Oh, good. You don't you don't enforce or in, inflict this approach on your family. You lead by example. So, and I've seen this so much with my clients, you know, working with say mothers who have to cook something different for their kids and something different for their husband and and then their diet food for themselves. Um, And when we talk about, we'll dig in a bit more to what to eat in a bit, because I do have some thoughts on that, but, and it's very pleasurable and enjoyable. It's not difficult in any way, but what we find is as, as one member of the family is engaging in this approach which is really a lifestyle overhaul that leads to weight loss. Like weight loss is a joyous consequence. Um, you're happy, you're feeling good, you're enjoying food, and people just start to get on board. Even I've found even the most resistant husband who's like, I don't eat loads of vegetables or I'm not eating that. I like my you know, ready meals or whatever. When they see their partner getting such joy from this way of being, they they naturally come on board. It might take a couple of weeks. It might take a couple of months, but they join in. So you lead by example. When you're enjoying yourself and feeling good, people want more of that, but you can't force it. Yeah, and chances are they're going to start losing weight too because they're not eating, you know, great stuff. Probably they're probably eating the the things that if you're eating things you shouldn't be eating. Well, that means so are they. So they may actually exactly. say so exactly. I, and when you when you I mean if you're if you have kids. If you're eating the good stuff, your kids are going to be looking at you going, hmm, I would like to try some of that. But if you're imposing it or forcing it on them, they'll absolutely refuse. Yeah. So it's about leading by example. <laughs> I, uh, when I was married, I had a stepson who was, I think, eight at the time. And we were trying yeah. to get him to eat green beans. And we actually tried the old, you can't leave the table. Boy, that that, um, that just did not work. He was like, I don't care. I'm not eating green beans. And I was like. All right, and he eventually won, which was kind of funny at the time. But yeah, I so I went. Good to him. Good for him. He's got a <laughs> strong sense of self. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's now got like a four He's graduating from Purdue, uh, which is there this swanky college here in the states. Yeah. Um, I know you. You mentioned you have a, a well. Let's before we get to your course, you said you you had some tips on on what to eat. So, yes. well, first of all. Uh, your body does something pretty wonderful when you're enjoying your food. The research shows that when you're eating food that you actually like, your metabolism speeds up, right? Mm. Um, your body processes and extracts more nutrients from that food when it's a food that you actually enjoy. Um, and so it makes sense, number one, to think, well, what do I want to eat? Right. When we're, there are two types of eaters. You've got controlled eaters, which I suspect I'm guessing you probably are a controlled eater. Because if you're struggling with your weight and really unhappy with your weight and you've tried all these different diets, you're very, you're very much eating from, from a intellectual position. This is a good food choice. This is a bad food choice (laughs) as opposed to from eating intuitively, which most naturally thin people eat intuitively, which is, I feel hungry. What am I hungry for? It's as simple as that. Um, people are really terrified when they come and work with me because the first thing I say is this week, eat whatever you like. No limits, whatever you like. Nothing's off the table. If you want to eat a bag of potato chips, eat a bag of potato chips. Um, and they're very, very anxious and nervous eating because they're holding on so tightly to a position of trying to be good and trying to, you know, navigate food as this very scary, dangerous place where there are so many bad foods that they shouldn't eat. And what happens every single time is the the first week, they're very enthused. They're very nervous, but they're investing in 
changing and there's a trust there with me. So they do it. Nobody overeats. Not one single person in mm. that first week overeats. On balance, on the whole, because I ask them to write everything down and when they eat it, why they ate it, just to get some awareness. That's all they, that's the only kind of very prescriptive thing I ask people to do. And the beautiful thing is when they start to trust themselves, and I know this sounds so simple and wacky, but it's very true. I've been doing this now for many years. When they start to trust themselves as adults who can eat food that they enjoy, that's what they start to do. And it's, it's, that's the simple part. Obviously we fall back into well-worn grooves of bad behaviors. And that's to do again, I've made that point about the cause and the symptom. And when we just focus on food, we're focusing on the symptom. We're not looking at the cause, but what should we be eating? Food that we want, ideally food that's not highly processed. I think that's a lot easier to do in Ireland or the UK or mainland Europe than it is in the US. I think that's so much food. I spend a lot of time in the US. I think so much food in the US is highly processed. Um, and so you might be saying then, well, it's going to cost me a lot of money to eat food that isn't highly processed. And it's probably going to cost you more, but you eat less. And you use everything that you eat. And that leads to the next piece, which is quality, always privileging quality. So if you're going to eat chocolate, get the best chocolate you can get your hands on. Um, if you're going to have fruit and tomatoes, get the best fruit and tomatoes you can get your hands on. Two things happen when you privilege quality or a really good cheese. It's like with wine. You know, if you buy cheap wine, it's not going to taste very nice. If you buy really good wine, it's going to taste amazing. But you also can't drink too much of it because there's so much substance and flavor. That's the same with food. So the more you privilege quality and focus on eating good food, you eat, you need so much less to feel satiated because there's so much flavor. There's so much richness, you know, in really juicy, organic not force grown tomatoes, the flavor is completely different to tomatoes that are force grown and mass produced. And you could probably eat three or four of those tomatoes versus the ones that are, that are grown slowly and have real flavor to them. So quality, not terribly processed as best you can. Um, and eating food that you know, you're going to enjoy. They're, they're my main kind of parameters. There's no kale crisps or, you know, <laughs> avocado. And quinoa salads, it's literally eat food that you know you're going to enjoy that's not highly processed. Nice. Now, what if you catch yourself, you diagnose yourself? I'll give you an example. The other day, it's the beginning of the year, and I start setting up the structure to track my taxes for this year. And just right. the thought of taxes and knowing this and putting money aside and this and that, mm -hmm. found myself right in the kitchen. And this is like about... 11.15 at night. So I'm thinking, yeah. I should be getting ready for bed. What am I doing in the kitchen? And it was like, all right, I probably shouldn't eat anything now because I'm probably not hungry. And in fact, I'm sure this is the fact that I'm thinking about taxes. What do you say to the person that has identified it, knows it's wrong? How do you, how do you pull yourself back from the edge? Okay. Um, so Firstly there, and I think that it's great that you could recognize that that was emotional hunger as opposed to um, uh, actual hunger. But a lot of people aren't able to differentiate between emotional hunger and actual hunger. And that's controlled eaters, right? So back to that point of controlled mm -hmm. eaters and intuitive eaters. Intuitive eaters just eat when they're hungry. They don't tend to massively emotionally eat, although we'll all emotionally eat a sure. little bit. That's okay. But... The difference is if you're emotionally hungry, it's a pang 
that comes very suddenly and it can't be satiated with food. So if you're eating because you're emotionally hungry, you can eat the whole packet of biscuits because you were never hungry in the first place. Ergo, you can't get full. Whereas is to eat when you're actually hungry, you'll eat something and then you'll feel satiated. So that's number one, to how to differentiate. So when you're emotionally hungry and the more, and I train people to learn how to tune in and recognize when they're actually hungry. And that's a feeling that's slow and steady and it comes in your tummy and it's connected with there'll also be if you're really good at listening to your body, ooh, I'm hungry for fish or chocolate or a banana or, and your body is looking for something, right? So you, you can kind of tune into that. Emotional hunger, much, much uh, more insistent and much quicker and sudden. And when you feel that, if you have in your back pocket a series, and in my book I, and on my course, I have a, a list of alternatives, but a list of alternative behaviors that you could insert there as opposed to eating, right? Now, for you, they're going to be different to me, right? Because I might paint my nails, or I might go have a shower, or I might phone a friend, maybe not at 11 o'clock at night, or I might do a little bit of online shopping, probably not buy anything, but you know, it's just what can I do that's going to distract me from this pang of hunger? And for you, they're going to be different things, but there's nothing like brushing your teeth or having a shower or making yourself a herbal tea if you like herbal tea, like a mint tea, you know. That's, that's what I did. I was like, at the time, I was like, okay, I'm probably not really hungry, but for some reason, I, I have to distract myself. So I'm like, okay. And usually if I can, I'll just, I have a, an ice maker in my kitchen and I just yeah. threw a bunch of cubes in, in a cup, put some water in it. And I said, if I'm actually hungry or if my stomach's empty, water will fill it up and there's yeah. no calories here. So that's, that's what I did. But it was just, I was just, uh, I don't know. There are just times when I don't do that. There are times I'm like, oh, and what I, and then you start lying to yourself. And maybe this is the wrong thing. Cause again, now I'm, I'm painting myself as bad. I'm like, well, one banana isn't going to hurt. And so then one banana turns to two bananas and, and an apple. And I feel it's weird. Cause there are times when I, I will overeat fruit <laughs> because mm -hmm. I've got rid of the chips and I've got rid of all the other stuff. And in the maybe end, that's and, part of the problem. yeah. And then I will go, uh, then I'll start putting in cause I, I track all my calories and I'm like, wow. I was really right on my calorie thing until, man, I started at 11 o'clock eating bananas and apples. And I'm like, if I would have just stopped there, I would have hit my goal. And I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm not a huge fan of these calorie trackers. Okay, Again, great. reinforcing controlled eating, hmm. right? Because one day you might be a lot more hungry than the other day. And right. you might well exceed your calories one day and another day you might not. Um, but if you work on training yourself to eat uh, intuitively, i.e. just to listen to your body and eat when you're actually hungry, it won't put you wrong. It in innately knows how much you need to eat. It's natural, naturally got an inbuilt tracker. It's the fact that you're overriding it. I think you're possibly for you, and I mean, we've only just started chatting, right. I think you're far too fixated on weight and the amount of weight you have to lose, mm, okay. right? And I suspect that you're perpetuating this position of frustration around weight and food and your body, um, because that's a very comfortable place to put your desire, right? Mm. I will be happy when, and that's a very, you know, and for, <laughs> for all of us, yeah. for all of us, weight is such a great thing. Cause my goodness, what would we do if we were a perfect 10 or a perfect size, whatever we want to be, where would that frustration go? We like to think it would be gone, but hell no. 
(laughs) Humans, by their very nature, are number one desiring. So we constantly want to be in a position of desiring. We're always, always wanting. And as soon as we get the thing we want, it slips onto something else. And how many of your listeners can think of a time that they lost all the weight? What did they do? What did they do? Did Mm. they keep it off? Some of them did. Sure. Most of them put it back on. Yeah, that's what I did. I was down 20 pounds two years ago. And that's when I was like, doggone it, it happened again. And why did it happen? You're a really smart guy. It's (sighs) not that you're stupid. It's not that you're um, lazy. You're clearly not a lazy guy. It's none of those things. It's this this way of mediating our desire that fits so well for so many of us in being unhappy with our weight. Mm. And that's where we get to the underlying piece. And this is the piece I think so many diet systems are missing. And it's why I created Artful Eating, which is what's your story? Mm. You know, what's the context to your relationship with food? For some of us, our parents were overweight. For some of us, we had a really skinny sibling or a really skinny best friend and always felt a bit ungainly. For some of us, things were going great. And then we had our first kid, male or female, doesn't matter but our whole lifestyle changed or our energy or self-care fell away as we were all focused on our family. Like everybody has a different story and you've got to start to uncover what's my story. And it just starts by kind of doodling on a piece of paper and just starting to write and explore um, words, thoughts, ideas about yourself. You don't need to necessarily go to a therapist to do that. Um, and as you start to uncover your story, there'll be lots of ahas. For anyone who has issues with food, like whether they binge or whether they starve themselves or whether they're constantly dieting or whether they're constantly complaining about their body, um, there's, there's, there's an origin there. There's somewhere that that started. Um, and it might be just as simple as, you know, you were the older sibling and your younger sibling always just seemed smaller or littler or skinnier than you. And so then your story was, well, I'm the big one. Mm-hmm. It could be a simple as that. And you just might not be aware of it. But what's clear for me chatting with you is that your story is, I can't keep the weight off, you know, part of your story now, whatever before. Right. So it's, that's it. And you know, something my sister said to me years ago, she's not a psychologist, but she said to me a, a good few years ago, she said, you know, I'm sick of complaining about the fact that I don't have enough time. She said, it seems the more I complain about the fact that I don't have enough time, the more it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I just don't ever seem to have enough time. Mm. I just thought about that. And it is so true. The language we use, the words we say, how we talk about ourselves. So if one's narrative is, I just have 30 more pounds to lose. My God, you're just perpetuating a position of having 30 more pounds to lose. (laughs) Uh, That's true. Where. Whereas if you tell yours, because the story we tell ourselves shapes everything we do, it shapes our behavior. So if I tell myself I am thin and I love my body and I look great naked, I am not reaching for the potato chips, right? Whereas if I tell myself um, I'm really unhappy with my body, I'm so overweight, this is, you know, I have so much weight to lose, I'm definitely going to be reaching for the potato chips because it's our behavior is reinforced by the thoughts we think. So when, when you shift from January 2019 saying, I have so much weight to lose to, I love my body. I'm so fit and healthy. I can enjoy great legs that take me from A to B. I look good in my clothes. You know, I'm happy with what I have. You start to change how you treat your body. I think respect is such an important thing. And we focus on that respect by saying, oh, I need to eat my greens and I need to eat my five-a-day veg or whatever it is. Instead of I need to think respectful thoughts about my body. 
and about how I look. Yes. Because the person, the person that walks into the room with a big smile on their face, loving what they're wearing and feeling good in themselves, regardless of their size, is the attractive person because they're happy with who they are. So it's really about putting energy and focus on that. I have a lot of like um, cognitive behavioral therapy exercises and a lot of I've cognitive hypnosis audios to help people change that very ingrained, deep thinking. There's some free resources on my website, karinamelvin.com, if people are interested. Because it is, I'm making it sound easy. I know it's not. Hmm. But it's a beautiful thing because once you learn this way of being, you don't go back. Because it's just, it's like it's just a, a complete shift in perspective. Yeah. Any, because um, I, I, I can hear somebody saying, oh, sure, I can wake up and say, I'm hot, young, and sexy, and I look good naked. And then there's a giant voice in their head that says, who are you kidding? Um, exactly. For me, I actually named that voice. It's Charlie. So there are times, okay. when, I, there are times when I'll be like, all right, piss off, Charlie. I um, you know, that. Um, do, I you, that. do you have any tips? for? Because there are times when people are like, oh, I'm all about affirmations. I bought my affirmation app, and every day I read something positive. Um, no. no. That doesn't, that, that doesn't, that's not it. Um because that's not enough. It needs to go a lot deeper than that. So the first thing is uh, figuring out what your story is, right? So that's the first piece. And that's just exploring, going away, carving out an hour, sitting down with a pen and paper and really trying to go back, remembering your childhood, thinking, start from now, how you feel, what are the words you say about yourself or around yourself, and then looking back and reflecting on that. And then I ask people to write a new story. So to write a story that uh, is how they want to be or how they want to feel, but they write it in the present tense. I am happy and healthy. I enjoy my food. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full, whatever feels right for you. That's number one. Number two um, is that piece I said at the beginning about your context. So your environment. So, and I talk a lot about that on the course, um, you know, creating an environment that supports you feeling good in yourself. Uh, and that's not just about clearing a kitchen of crap. It's about making sure your home is this welcoming, lovely place. Um, and Mar- I talk about decluttering, but hey, Marie Kondo's on Netflix. If anybody wants to watch her <laughs> show, uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up is, is her book. But she, you know, you can see the psychological effects that it has on these people in her show um, when they... Uh, change how they take care of their home and their objects, they're starting to take care of themselves and each other better. So that's the next piece. Um, So thinking very deeply about your environment, your work, your relationships, not food, not the gym, your quality of life, right? Your story, how you relate to others, who are the people that are a source of conflict in your life? Are there things you can work on to change that? What stuff are you carrying what traumas, what difficulties, and they don't have to be massively awful, but that are affecting you and affecting your food. Um, I then also have tools. So there's free audios that you can download off my website, but on the course, I have cognitive hypnosis audios, which people find very helpful that you listen to over a course of weeks that help to start to really change the thinking. Um, and then uh, the ABC sheet, which I'm happy to share with you, which is a very intuitive cognitive behavioral therapy tool that you pick up every single time you hear Charlie and you might be picking it up five times a day. It takes about three minutes to do initially, but you get to a point where you don't need to do it because you've turned the volume down on Charlie because you're changing your thinking. It challenges those negative thoughts in a very logical way. Well, you definitely... So 
comprehensive approach. <laughs> yeah. Well, you definitely have me intrigued. Tell me more about if I want to sign up for your course, like what's involved in it and what can I expect? Um, so what's involved in the course is uh, it's a seven week program, but you do it how you like it as and when you like it. Um, and it's like I said earlier, it's really is a lifestyle overhaul or you can get my book. I'm sure you can get my book on Amazon. It's called Artful Eating. Um, and the idea is that you make a decision to change and you make a decision to step into a different way of being. So it's very different to deciding to go on a diet because this kind of, this explores every single aspect of your life, not just what you're eating and how often you're exercising. In fact, we talk very little about what you're eating and exercising. Um, I say exercise if you like it, find something that you love, do it. Um, if you don't, just walk because, you know, walking is easy. We all know and how to free. walk. Yeah. We all know how to walk. Um, and now with all these amazing podcasts, it's a really nice thing to do. Pop on a podcast and go for a walk. Um, so uh, I ask people to really assess why they want to change, what's stopping them from changing. So there's a lot of internal uh, work going on, a lot of kind of self, self-therapy for want of a better way of putting it. Um, and then a, a lot of retraining. So when we're a baby, I have a little toddler and she's amazing. She eats whenever the hell she likes. She does not eat three times a day. She'll eat loads one day. She'll eat absolutely nothing the next day because she just eats when she's hungry. And she'll, and now she's at the stage where she can tell me what she wants to eat. And it's olives, broccoli, cheese, meat. You know, it's like such an array of different foods um, because she is just listening to her body. So a lot of it is about retraining yourself how to eat, privileging food, Instead of seeing it as a source of, of uh, strife or a problem, seeing it as this moment every day to pause and enjoy um, and really uh, reconnecting with cooking in an in a easy, enjoyable way. So there's like lessons on uh, cooking. There's lessons on well-being, daily habits and rituals that are going to help you feel good about yourself, on decluttering, organizing your home so that it works for you, um, on changing your story um, and learning how to view yourself in a different way, regardless of your size, taking care of yourself. Um, and then a lot of work on just letting go of the myths and the negative narratives around food and diet that are out there. So really getting clear on the science of how your body works, how you process food and metabolize food. Um, and I just told you the course backwards, <laughs> essentially <Sorry>. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you yeah. want to check it out, it's out at Karina, and that's just K-A-R-I-N-A, Melvin.com. And you can check out her podcast, you can check out her book, and you can take her course. So Karina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And since this is a podcast, I should point out if you go over to logicalloss.com slash audible, you could actually get Karina's book, again, called Artful Eating, The Psychology of Lasting Weight Loss, for free if you're new to Audible. I'm going to play just a quick uh, snippet from her book. Do you like the reflection staring back at you? If not, is there any of it that you like? Can you say, I like my legs, my smile, my hair? Or are you consumed with negative thoughts about your body? Are the words that come to mind unkind? Do you respect your body? Do you ever take the time to acknowledge how great it is that you can walk, talk, think, dance, work, and share your life with friends and family? 
Or are you too busy thinking about the weight you want to lose? Or all the clothes you can't wear because of your size? Or all the things you just don't feel comfortable doing until you lose the weight? I want to introduce you to a client who gave me permission to share her weight struggle. Liz's story really highlights how our issues with weight go way beyond the simple calories-in-calories-out approach. Liz had tried all kinds of diets, supplements and programs. A pharmacist in her late twenties, she was well informed about health, how the body works and what she should be doing. Liz came to see me at a point when she realised that, after spending years losing and gaining weight, her life was being controlled by food. She oscillated between being good and only eating diet-ready-made meals, and being bad and not sticking religiously to this very strict calorie-controlled regime. Being bad resulted in binging and the inevitable guilt that followed left her feeling low for days until she returned to the controlled approach. Liz had completely lost touch with her body. This had a very damaging effect on her relationships, as she didn't want anyone to truly know the extent of her struggle. On the surface, she came across to friends as being carefree and confident, and kept her unhappiness and food issues completely hidden. Prior to engaging in the artful eating philosophy, she described herself as anxious, stressed, down, and very self-conscious. She told me she had withdrawn from social situations, refusing to eat out because she couldn't stick to her diet. Liz was not enjoying food, her body, or her life. Initially, I focused on showing Liz how to accept her body. Her preoccupation with the negative aspects of how she looked really affected her relationship with food. It was only by questioning her position and recognizing this that she came to understand she needed to reshape her own personal story. Liz was then able to identify unhelpful eating patterns, like controlling what she ate, eating too fast, eating because she felt stressed and not engaging with what she was actually eating. She learned that her relationship with food was not just about the food, but about other issues as well. Her self-esteem, her lack of confidence, and her inability to be kind to herself. I provided Liz with the skills and tools to help her reshape her story, her relationship with food, and, most importantly, her relationship with herself. Artful eating helped Liz escape from masking her issues and identify the underlying cause of her struggle. It allowed her to finally feel a freedom around food and how she felt about herself. She no longer feels anxious around food, and she has learnt that it's important to declutter and do things that make her feel good now, rather than wait to feel good when she reaches her ideal weight. Instead, she learned to be happy and more at ease in herself, both mentally and physically. Summarizing Liz's journey here, it sounds like this was a seamless transition. But she committed to doing the work. She was open to thinking differently, and she was ready to approach weight loss in a different way. Sure, she was very nervous when I told her to ditch the diet food and forbade her to calorie count. She was alarmed when I encouraged her to order dessert when she was out with her friends. 
She was especially worried when I told her to give up the meal plan that she had been clinging to religiously for years and begin to enjoy food. By taking off the straitjacket, she immediately felt less anxious around food. She completely slowed down and enjoyed food and flavors. Wow, that is quite a snippet they give you over at Audible. Again, if you want to check out the book, go over to LogicalLoss.com slash Audible, and you can get that book for free. And, of course, it's available at Amazon. And I uh, want to give a special shout-out to Kevin, Laura, and Sergio. Those are the $5 Logical Losers, if you'd like to help keep the lights on over here at the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Simply go to LogicalLosers.com. They actually got to see the video of Karina and myself, as well as some other bonus content. You can join for as little as a buck, and if you want a shout-out, you can join for $5 a month. There's no upsell. I'm not trying to sell you a program or anything like that. I'm just trying to keep the lights on here at the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free on iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free, 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to do to die it. Thin. Won't tell you lies. Thin. I won't smaller thighs. Thin. But I realize. I guess I'll have to